amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Hey, I'm not Dr. Price. This is Apostle Ashley Clater. And today, Dr. Price, we gave her a hall pass on the show. She is actually working toward her deadline with Whitaker House and is in a really good flow. And so we want to keep her in that really good flow, don't we? Yes, trust me, you do, because when you read this book, I'm telling you, it is going to change everything about the way you saw the prophetic, even if you were on board with how we believe the prophetic should be, which is based on the biblical institution and not the contemporary prophesying-only machine application. And so this more like a Paul Price show pop-up here in the home office and uh, just shifting locations and environments for a moment. But I wanted to let you know a few very important things. One, what is coming out new from Dr. Paula Price that you can look forward to? Well, of course, she has her prophetic primers, assessing yourself prophetically. That's rolling out from Whitaker House in the spring. But in-house from us, we are bringing forward a book that she wrote in the 90s, like 1994, called Changing of the Guards. And we are combining that with 1995 and beyond, which is her book on, it's a book, a series of prophecies about 1995 and beyond. Clearly, we're in the beyond and not in 1995 anymore. And we've talked about this on the previous Paula Price show, but, but we're going to put them together because Changing of the Guards is such a great setup to that. So if you already have 1995 and beyond, great. You're about to get it again with this new rendition of the book. Obviously, we haven't changed the prophecies, uh, but we have, uh, we're just editing them, putting them together in a new packet. It will be available as a book and as a download as well. So stay on the lookout for that. Several weeks from now, we're going to be rolling this out. Now, let me lean in. What's wonderful about February is it's Dr. Price's birthday. The 21st, February 21st, is Dr. Price's birthday. We want to shower her with love. How about all month long? I feel like the year just flew by. Were we just saying happy birthday to Dr. Price? We're saying it again. And so get yourself geared up. We want her to receive gifts in the mail, financial seeds, Amazon gift cards. Amazon gift cards, okay? Yellow roses. Did I mention Amazon gift cards? Because Amazon gift cards, it's great. We also want to send her on vacation. Another vacation because guess what? She wrote through her other one. In December, Christmas vacay was all writing to hit this deadline. And so she needs another break. And we want to send her somewhere to relax. 
she is actually being taken by one of her apostle friends on a, a, a break. So maybe we just want to load her down with some extra spending money and just some fun fun money or whatever. But did I say Amazon gift card because that's always a winner with Dr. Price. Yellow Roses, Amazon gift card, uh, and then some other food gift cards, restaurants, nice restaurants around Tulsa. So we will be posting and sending some things out in the email, letting you know now, since you have a few weeks uh, for that, we're going to be celebrating her with a party in the beginning of March. We kind of like to wait till these winter days go by and have a nice, we're going to have a nice big birthday party celebration with the church this year. It's been a couple of years since we've done that. It's time to celebrate our chief together. She's had several new products come out since the last time we've had a party for her, and we have to celebrate all of it. Yes. And so she has that coming out like it's a changing of the guard. Also, we are introducing her mentorship circle, which we had talked about last year. Well, we reformatted and repackaged the delivery system, and so you will be seeing uh, promotions and advertisements for her Soul of Success webinar series packet. And so you will be able to enroll and pay for these webinars. She did the Soul Sundays. Remember the Soul Sundays? We're still doing those. They're not open to the public as in free on social media, but if you are in Tulsa, like this Sunday is second Sunday, Soul Sunday, if you are in Tulsa, you can join us for those free sessions. But if not, we are offering them for a fee uh, to you her uh, followers, her friends, her family, her viewers, uh, other students, people who may not know her, be very new to what she is doing. But those soul sessions, Rachel's with me. She's shaking her head. I am shaking my head. I can't wait to get back in them myself. And so you will have more information coming. So be on the lookout. How can you stay involved? How can you know? Well, you can check social media because we're, we're always posting there. But the, mo the main thing is to sign up on her mailing list, www.drpaulaaprice.com. You can go to the contact page and then subscribe. There might be an option um, when you land on the page, there might be a pop-up on the screen where you can subscribe right there. But you want to subscribe. Stay tuned in. June 17th through the 20th, we have our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute 2020. It is going to be on fire. We already know Dr. Paula Price, who is now, by then, will have at least one of her new books on the market about the prophetic, will be teaching. She always takes the first day. We give her Thursday to just lay it out. Wednesday night is our Price University graduation and prophetic company ordination ceremonies and induction ceremonies. So that's Wednesday night. Thursday, we kick it off with Dr. Price teaching, laying it down. And then in the evenings, we have breakout sessions. Friday, we have Chief Prophet Tala Price, Prophet Hakeem Collins, Prophet Naeem Collins are, are back with us, Prophet Adia Peterson, Apostle Nona Parker. So you're going to hear all of these voices, apostolic and prophetic voices, speaking into where we are going, taking the lead as prophets and apostles together. This is what a point I want to make as well. These events are for apostles and prophets, both our June Prophets event, our November Apostles event, because you know why? We work together. We work together, and it does not do well for just one to attend one and the other to attend the other, and we're not matched up with what God is doing with each officer. So I want to put those out there. Dr. Price's birthday is right around the corner, February 21st, which I believe is a Friday this year. 
But we will, you know, we're going to do something on the show on the 20th. Yay! <laughs> and so we want you to be prepared so she feels the love, the appreciation. I mean, you all pour into us as a support team, the support ministry, uh, but how much more for our chief apostle? And we want her to know every single day this month that she is loved, she is cherished, she is honored, and she is respected for who she is and what she continues to do as a labor of love, as a calling, as a passion, when it's easy, when it's hard. She really has taken the lead in how we really can follow and walk in her footsteps, which is a great segue to what today's pop-up is all about. It's about finishing. In 2020, the beginning of every year, and 2020 is also the beginning of a new decade, so there's a lot of reset going on, a lot of evaluation. I find myself thinking about what did I do with the last 10 years of my life? Did it measure up to what I expected? And what will I do with, let's just say, the next 10, 20, 30 years of my life? When you sit at the top of an organization, you can't think in just 10-year clips. You're thinking 50 years 100 years from now, what do I want Price University to look like? This is, these are the thoughts I have. What do I want the prophetic company to look like? What do I want uh, my praise team to look like? What, what do I want this organization to look like? What am I doing now to set in motion what we want to have happen then? And <laughs> when I was asking the Lord, what shall we talk about today? He said, talk to my people about finishing, being a finisher, it is not about who's quick. It is not about who's swift. Ecclesiastes tells us that. It is not about who's first as how we encounter it. So many times we are obsessed with getting there first, getting there. Well, I just have to. And so we lose track of, especially when you encounter setbacks, which would be everybody, right? Setbacks, delays, obstacles, warfare. How about you? You're your own worst enemy sometimes. When you encounter that, do you finish? The first thing I do is I go back and think about all of my unfinished business. Hard reset, okay? I want you all to go and revisit your unfinished business because your unfinished business will really let you know where you have, why you have stalled, why you have not progressed in certain areas, or maybe why you have in others. So, Finishing. I looked up the etymological breakdown. You know me in definitions. I wonder where I get that from. Hmm. <laughs> when your boss has written a dictionary and continues to write definitions, you are always researching what words mean. So when I looked up finish, it says that which finishes or gives completion. Gives completion. Finishing gives completion. Uh, they are two different things. And so you should look up what complete actually means as well. It can also mean the end in the late 1700s. Now, the verb finish, to bring to an end. So when you are finishing something, you are bringing it to a close, bringing it to a conclusion, to come to an end, to limit, set bounds, put an end to, come to an end, which we talked about, that which divides, a boundary. So when you finish something, you have created a boundary, what we would call a deadline or a milestone in project management, in life, when you reach your goals, when you complete something, when you finish it, you've reached a milestone. So that's a boundary. A milestone is a boundary. Border, figuratively, a limit, an end, close, conclusion, and extremity. Uh, finish is also highest point. That's something to think about. Greatest degree. 
witches of unknown origin perhaps related to uh, figury. So sometimes they have these etymological definitions where they trace down where it came from and they're not quite sure, but it is something that that word was applied to. So when we're talking about finishing, you have to go for the milestones. I like milestones because along the way you have to mark when you've concluded something, when you've wrapped something up. The difference between a project and uh, let's just say opening up a new department is a project and a project manager and projects have a definitive beginning and ending. Launching a new product, the launch is a project, not the product. Creating the product is a project, but then the product itself takes on its whole new life. And so for us, we have to remember that to finish, you, we have to know what am I going for? The Lord does nothing without a plan. And we're going to go in just a moment to Luke 14, 25. Finishing what you start is a huge deal. God is a finisher. Apostles are finishers. Prophets are finishers. Working for Dr. Price, when I tell you she is a finisher, she's a finisher. Rachel, is she a finisher? She's a finisher. And it's not just to get it off the table. It's, is it finished? Is it complete? Or is it just done? Let's take steak as an example. I like steak. Steak is done. It's well done. But it might be well done and just be cooked. Is it seasoned? Is it overdone? Is it what? It's just not raw anymore. But just because it's not raw anymore doesn't mean it's something that somebody can use. And so when you're thinking about finish, is it useful? Is it useful to God? Useful to your boss? Useful in your life? Years ago, when Dr. Price taught us on taking the lead, she did a whole series in church called Leading Your Life. And it was tied to the series, I believe it was tied to the series, Living God's Kind of Life. And the first place you start is leading your own life. So you have to do that assessment, which, you know, we might do this, like, oh, Lord, do I want to look. But where's your unfinished business? Take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your future. Take responsibility for your tasks. Uh, my plate of responsibility just increases every time I blink. I promise you it does. And I have to sit down and then every single time reevaluate. Like yesterday, I was, may I, I'll just show you how we make it around. If people want to know, how do you make it in this world? Can I show you? Are you ready? All right. So I got another new notebook. I had these amazing gel pens. Can we talk about the ministry of a gel pen? But then the paper I was using was too thin. And I could see the writing through the page. So I went and shopped and stood in aisle for 15 minutes finding thicker paper. So I found it. Anyway, so I went and rewrote and just broke down my different departments. I have, we have a whole technological system I'm going to put it in and enter it into. Oh, Rachel, there you are. Look at you. AIT. Trainings, events, meetings, client follow-up. It's all there. And now, you know, prepping for today's pop-up broadcast. Why? Because I intend on finishing what I start and finishing it with the details. There are weeks I get it really right. There are weeks that I really don't. And it depends on interruptions and other things, and then the list goes on and on and on and on. But finishing has to be your goal. And then sitting down and thinking, how can I achieve that? We are in leadership training with Dr. Price as the near members, New Era Apostleship Restitution members, and our congregation members have the opportunity of enrolling in the class as well. And I tell you what, 
she talked about Habakkuk 2. I want to talk today about Luke 14, verse 25. It says, Now great multitudes went with him, Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. First of all, this blows a hole into every doctrine that says the number one thing the Lord wants for you is to have a family and be happy above all else. I am here to tell you today that is nowhere in Scripture. This is in red. This means Jesus said it, okay? He said it. That's really not the point of where we're going, but this is the setup statement of where we are going. And so you have to be ready to deny any ties that will prevent you from achieving the purpose that God has for your life. You have to be ready for it. Jesus did. He had to leave heaven. We act like he did not have to sacrifice. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He is laying out the disqualifiers of discipleship. Who talks about this? This is in the Word. Luke, New Testament. He said, okay, so we, we're, we're not, we can't stand the family. We can't do other things. We're not disciples. All right. Verse 23, for which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goes to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great ways off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever, you, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, cannot be my disciple. We talk about that passage. Count the cost. Don't we say it? Count the cost. Count the cost. Count the cost. All out of context with what he is saying. This is about being a disciple of Christ. We've made discipleship about inheritance only. We've made discipleship about rewards. Just like we make achievement. We make achievement all about rewards and awards and not the cost. And this gives you several scenarios, just like when people jump out there, God told me to do this. So they jump out to start a business, jump out to start a ministry, help you, jump out to do all these things and don't count the cost of whether they can finish. Because it's not just about money, because money is a piece of anything that we do. Do you have what it takes in here to finish, in your soul, in your heart? in your mind, your mental fortitude, your emotions? Do you have what it takes to finish, to do something as basic and simple as all your friends are going out to hang out and you have homework? All of our Christ University students are giving a wave offering. I feel it. Hallelujah. Family doesn't understand why you're sacrificing for the Lord. How can you do this? How can you, because this is about being a disciple of Christ, when you begin to make your assignment to the Lord about the person he sent you to, your approval or disapproval of them, you've lost sight of the assignment, you've lost sight of the goal, and you are in jeopardy of forfeiting what God gave you to do. When you begin to justify to yourself 
well, my leader isn't all this, and my leader isn't all that, and, you know, on and on and on. Dr. Price just said to us in a meeting the other week to the leaders, I did not give you this call. The Lord did. And you told me this was your call. You told me. So many of us out there have, you've come, you've told your leaders, you've told people, this is what God called me to do. This is why I'm here. And it could be here, it could be there, it could be anywhere. And it could, it doesn't have to be in ministry. It could be a job that is now taking up way more time than you thought. And it was a commitment and it was an assignment that God sent you to. And then you're starting to backpedal starting to rationalize, starting to justify. People, be, they do. When Come on, look. Can we be real? Can we be real? We all look at quitters and say, well, they didn't have what it took. This is how it sounds. You lean back, the name comes up at the table, you're like, well, can't say we didn't see that coming. I don't know. Hmm. That's what that means when people begin to mock you because you don't finish what you start. Your name moves around in circles. Oh, you know, don't call so-and-so. You know, they're, they're enthusiastic when they start. How many of us are enthusiastic? We're always enthusiastic at the discussion table, at the brainstorming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six months in, when it was only supposed to take six weeks. Well, I mean, I don't know. And we start to make excuses and rationalize and tell ourselves arguments. We make up arguments. And next thing you know, you can fall into delusion. Imagination turns to fantasy, fantasy turns to delusion. And you are all kinds of all over the place, nowhere where God told you in this season. And I will say this too, and uh, Rachel and I, she actually told me this, I was quite impressed with the statement a couple, now a couple years ago, um, hardly believe you've been here that long, but a couple of years ago, and she said that she was, you know, having discussion and talking about some previous dreams and visions that she had for her life and um, you know, they were just talking about, well, go ahead and pursue it. And, and she made a statement about, but that window has passed. That opportunity is gone. And now it's all about this. And, and I want to challenge you when we're talking about finishing and realizing you the unfinished business that you have versus uh, what you have to do, you have to know when the unfinished business that you did not pursue is gone. Window has passed. Opportunity has passed. The people, and, and even sometimes we don't really want to believe that the purpose and the reason that God sent us to do that has passed. You have to be responsible with unfinished business. Is that, is that okay to say? Because we're saying it. You have to be responsible for it because you can get locked into a fantasy. You can get locked into a self-affirmation. Um, how about guilt? <clears throat> sometimes it's guilt for not doing something, and when you do, do go back and do things out of season, oftentimes the reward that was waiting for you is gone. So if God tells you to go to school in your 20s or 30s, and you decide to go in your 50s or 60s for the same thing, for the same reasons, there's a strong possibility that that outcome is not going to happen. However, there's most likely another opportunity in front, of you, in front of you that you need to take. So you have to know that unfinished business isn't like, wow, that's unfinished. I did not finish that. And ship of sales sunk, bottom of the ocean. If I go after that thing, I'm only going down <laughs> to get it, not up. Versus 
okay, I have a different opportunity, and this time I am not going to do what I did the last time. I would say that a lot. That you can learn a lot from your unfinished business by gleaning the wisdom of why you didn't finish. Was it uh, familial obligations, distractions? No, plenty of people, especially women, who put their whole life on hold to raise their family. And they're in their latter years realizing, what am I going to do with myself? So, you know, you have a new opportunity to jump out there and do something. But the dream that you may have had 30 years ago may or may not, may or may not be feasible for you right now. It just really does depend. So I'm not saying that all is lost. But you have to know, you have to know, you have to seek God, seek counsel on what to do in the finishing. So in the finishing, there is a lot to evaluate. Something Dr. Price taught us years ago, she said, there are no second chances in life, but there are fresh starts. Why did she say that? She said, because the set of circumstances that were orchestrated for that are gone. Usually the people have moved on. Maybe the company isn't there. Um, even if, let's say, you had an investment opportunity and then another one comes around. It's not a second chance for that same thing because it's not the same, but it is a fresh start, a fresh opportunity. So don't go trying to manufacture something of the past. It's like when people are rebuilding their relationships, marriages and things like that. We've been taught, we've been trained. Don't try and relive what once was. Everybody's a different person now. Start here and then move forward. And so we have in, let me see, where am I? John, chapter 4. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his works. Jesus was on assignment to finish his father's works. We are on assignment. I'm on assignment to finish what my apostle has started, whatever that looks like, whatever the plan is going to be. And the goal is to stick to the plan. And a lot of times you have to tell yourself, and I've had to tell myself, because people want to know, how do you, how do you stay the course? How, how, how do you do this? You know, what, what are ways? There are things that you have to take off of the table as an option to even meditate about. When certain thoughts enter my head, get out, honestly. You have sometimes it is out of my own mouth. Other times it is in my spirit. You get out. I bind you. This is not God. I shared in the sermon I preached the other week. I, in the dream, I said, this is not God. This is a seducing spirit, and I know it. This is not God. And sometimes we think that the more and more it comes, it's easy to question yourself. Oh, well, did God really say? Did I? Did I hear him correctly? And, and then you'll have a trusted person come and ask you, are you sure that you don't, have you really thought about it? And then that begins to, it can weaken your hedge. It can weaken your belief system. It can rock your foundation. And you have to be flat-footed and truly defiant. That's not God. The minute you take in a word and you know it is him, you hide it and protect it. Anymore, they tell women who are pregnant, don't say anything your first trimester because anything can happen that first trimester. You got to go back and tell people you have problems and things happen. When you get that word from God, what do we see? What, what uh, was it Mary? Um, was it Mary? Elizabeth? Hiding the word, hiding that visitation in their heart, protecting it. There are a lot of things we get in trouble. You know why? Because we run our mouth. Run up. 
Now, I'm not talking about not seeking counsel. Let us not go extreme, please. Sometimes when you are susceptible to uh, imagination and enthusiasm taking over, you need counselors to be like, hold on. This is the fifth amazing idea you come with me to come to me with in six months. We need to prioritize. What's the gifting? What's the calling? What's the giftings? What are the call? You know, what's the one calling here? What should support? What should be the primary? And so with that, you have to resolve within yourself. Some discussions are just off the table. There are things people don't even ask me anymore because they know it's off the table. Don't ask me about leaving. Don't ask me about moving. Don't ask me about any of these things off the table. And it kills a lot of warfare because there's no room for it up here. Now, I'm not saying that the enemy doesn't try because that's his job. I'm not saying that I don't stay prayed up and those things. But you have got to resolve within yourself that the Lord's way for you is best. And that the first word that he gave you is the word that you're still standing on. Many of you have gotten off course because you're confused. And she just said on Sunday, confusion is two different things fusing together. And confusion is confusing because you have conflicting ideas trying to vie for your will. If you missed Sunday's sermon, please go back and watch it. Lord have mercy. And we put up in the title, one of the statements she made was deliverance means that you are compromised. Needing deliverance means that you are compromised. Your soul is compromised. Your spirit, your mind, Lord, your mind, the emotions, compromised. We have to get the, the compromising agent out. But as you are moving forward in this year, I want you to be thinking about the finishing. What do you have to finish? crickets. What is left to do? And the attitude in which you do it is essential. You can walk around bemoaning what God has given you, what your job is demanding all day long. And you know what that does? Nothing. It actually drains you because then you have to mount up above yourself to even do the job. Mount up above, above your emotions. Mount up above your frustrations. And I've said this before, to ask yourself, do you agree with your leader's methods of getting to where they're going and where they're taking you, or do you only want their results? This is a hard reset era. I mean, Dr. Price has been laying it down for over a year on hard reset. This is a hard reset for everybody. If you are walking in an office, especially the apostle and the prophet, no wiggle room, no wiggle room. A lot of things that you were able to get away with before, we're not able to get away with now. You, you, have you ever, am I the only one who's noticed an intolerance with nonsense? Like, in other people, within myself, though. Like, this is ridiculous. You have to start with you before you take it to other people. There's an amen choir in the room behind the cameras, okay? You have to start with you before you take it to someone else. I am tired of me. I am tired. This is like, okay. I need to get it together because you don't realize how you do operate those double standards. If you're somebody who can pick apart everybody else, oh, bless him, but won't pick apart yourself, you have a double standard. It's so easy to sit back and say, oh, so-and-so isn't doing their job. I mean, look at blah, blah, blah. They're not. But are you doing yours? Yikes. And are you doing it according to the standard? 
There's a lot of things I don't say. I'm like, look, I'm trying to keep myself right. Now, when it comes to standards and protocols, it's really challenging when you are the protocol patrol, <laughs> as I am, because everybody's looking at you, too, to see to it. Are you holding up your end of the bargain, or are you just telling everybody what to do? And so you have to do that. There, you have moments of being human. Yes, you have moments of dropping the ball. But even your moments of dropping the ball do not exempt you from holding up a standard even for other people. And they might throw that in your face, and you're going to have to own it, fix it, and keep it moving. But we must first examine ourselves. The beginning of the year is a great time. People, you know, the beginning of the year, they set goals. The end of the year, they're typically depressed because they're like, hmm. I said it was going to go to gym five times a week. I don't know why you said five. You should have started with one. Go to the gym and then go inside of the gym. Get in there. That's just the parking lot. We set up all these extravagant things that are just so unrealistic to achieve. But then you have those challenges from God when he says you have six months to do this. You have until this time to be here. That's when you know it's not a negotiation, it's not a suggestion, it's not a recommendation. It is an emphatic declaration of what God wants out of you. Hard reset. Hard reset. And it's a hard reset because it's not an easy reset. An easy, re- you know, easy reset is a suggestion, it's a recommendation. But is anybody else finding the hard reset side of God? No more wiggle room. No more. No more. Let me go to Ecclesiastes. It says Ecclesiastes 8. We'll start with verse uh, 2. We'll start with verse 1. And who knows the interpretation of a thing? Uh, Sorry, who is like a wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face changes. Wisdom makes your face shine. Uh-huh. In, in yesterday's broadcast on Apostle of the Future, we talked about from Dr. Price's book, Eternity, These Generals, that wisdom is a hallmark of apostleship. And you know what else that means is that the people under apostles should walk in a strong measure of godly wisdom, not just earthly wisdom, Godly wisdom, you will know how full of which one you are by when you hear godly wisdom, you want to rationalize why what you know is still right. That's contrary. That's how you know when you have too much of the world's wisdom versus godly wisdom. Because you'll hear godly wisdom, you'll say, well, you know, well, so-and-so says, well, this one does. Like, I know in the seasons where I had, had too much secular influence, when God's wisdom irritated me, um, as Dr. Price was saying something to me that was just like rubbing me the wrong way, and I knew what she was saying was right, but I didn't want it to be right. See, that's when you know, hey, this is transparency today. <laughs> this is when you know that you have too much of the world's wisdom in you. Fighting, pushing back. Uh, you know, she is somebody who is always inspiring and decreeing that we're going to reach up to higher standards. If you're the person who is always using somebody who has a low standard as an example, then you are not trying to be like God. You're not. 
I want this stuff delivered at this time. We don't sell it to those companies. They don't do it that way, and it's and that's the worst household. That's not how they run their house. And see, if you're that kind of pushback person on your leader, that means you're that kind of pushback person on God. And you really don't want his standards. You really don't believe. Because that, whoo, I have to pause for just a minute. Having to maintain standards is not easy. Even when it looks easy, it is not easy. Me being a protocol reference machine is how God hardwired me. But I tell you, the flesh is still there. Okay? And you have to work through it, but you have to make a decision to do so. So wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face has changed. When you look at somebody who really is foolish, you know their face has a different look. Somebody who is wisdom, their face really does have a different look. People will, let's just say they'll look at me. I look a lot younger than I am. But they will look at the setting of my face and ask me, but how old are you? Because you look young, but you seem older. There's just something about you. Wisdom settles you. It anchors you. The way you say hello to somebody, they will notice you're saying it a different kind of way. It doesn't have to be this huge display of wisdom. I'm going to just stand up here and orate wisdom all day long. <laughs> okay? No. You could, no. Okay. And so the sternness of his face is changed. I say, verse 2, Keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Again, this goes back to your leader didn't give you your calling. Your God did. And assigned you to your leader for its fulfillment and completion. Let's say that again. God gave you your calling and then assigned you to your leader who he equipped to get that out of you, to harvest it out of you. The farmer did not create the seed. God did. But the farmer put it in the ground after he bought it and then was charged with harvesting, bringing it to fruition, surviving the elements, surviving the pestilence, surviving the storm, surviving whatever, and bringing that to harvest and then taking it to market. So with us, we have to be clear. You know, kind of like when you say your siblings, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me because you're not the parent. That's who they are. It's the parent left them in charge. And so, again, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. This is the king. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Do not take a stand. Do not take your stand for an evil thing. We have Christians running around all over the place, especially on social media, taking a stand for evil, and they don't even know it. Because all I know is God wouldn't give us a president who didn't like black people. Really? Um, let me just sip on that. First of all, can't even prove it. That's, it's, it's media hype. There's so much propaganda flying around. Because people want it to be true. And we're in an age where people want things to be true, so it's true to them no matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter that we have a president to them who has written more bills to protect the church, which was about to become extinct under the Democratic agenda, has written bills now to reverse this abortion drama, 
all of these things. The economy is the highest it's been since the economy has been recorded amongst minorities, not just the majorities. But hey, what does that matter? Because we are an unrighteous people. We're an unrighteous nation. We're an unrighteous generation, and God is going to fix that. So, again, uh, don't take your stand for an evil thing, okay? Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Where your leader is, they have power. They have authority. It is not your job to challenge your leader because you disagree. Now, you can challenge them to their face. Most people challenge them behind their back. What does that look like, Apostle Ashley? Talking with your friends, colleagues, co-worker, family members, fussing, fuming. I just don't understand these deadlines. Oh, I just don't understand. Does my boss understand? Does my apostle understand? Does my leader understand? I have a life. I have family. I have a job. I need to go on vacation. On and on and on and on and on we go. That's saying, what are you doing to that leader, to that ruler? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Because for every matter, there is a time and judgment. Though the misery of man increases greatly. Think about that. Are you really discerning both time and judgment? You can tell we're out of the Bible because we don't even think like this. Discerning time, discerning judgment. Hmm. Hmm. You know you're in touch with God when you're about to jump out there on something and it's like, That's, this is not the time to do that. This isn't it. What, what's that post that's circulating where uh, it says something like, I had a whole paragraph written and deleted it and God just said, say, okay. <laughs> okay. See, that's discerning judgment. And time. Time and judgment. You just you oh, it's like right on the tip of your tongue. Everything you want to say, God is like, don't say that. Okay. I just think that we should. Okay. You just want to go clean up. Okay. We're just gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it quiet. We're gonna keep it right here. I need you to discern the time and judgment. Because it's not the time to say that. The judgment that's coming down is a different era. It's whatever you think. It's just a person. We're right back at Moses. And uh, Aaron and Miriam in numbers, they wanted to, let me see here, hold on. They had an opinion about their brother. Oh, and look at that. Right there, you can tell the worn pages in the Bible. Opened up. Uh, numbers chapter 12, the Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. I love how the Bible will bring home the point. They didn't agree on his wife. He married an African woman. They had a problem, okay? And so this and this is really how it can start with your leader, especially if you're close to them. They make a personal decision that you don't agree with, a decision that affects the nation. Obviously, he's the head of, of the nation who he marries. Everybody has an opinion when you are a leader, okay? Everyone has an opinion. Why would you wear those shoes? Why did you wear your hair like that? I like that ring. Uh, man, why did you change your nail polish? Everybody has an opinion when you are in public. So that comes with the job. But, see, there was something about this particular conversation that reached God and irked his nerves because these two people were the heads of state, obviously starting mess. 
So the conversation started privately, but they, it says they spoke against Moses. <sighs> People, we have preached a doctrine that says we're all equal, God loves us all the same, and this is why folks' lives are falling into judgment. Because they spoke against whom God revered as someone separate from them. Okay, so verse 2, so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? This was the problem. See, the problem, they used the wife as their legitimization of coming against this man in his position with God. They blended issues. Can we talk about this today? Can we talk about it? Are they with me? Are you guys with me? We talking about this today. See, they took a personal issue, a personal preference, and used it as an indictment against who Moses was to God. See, we can't do this. Help me, Lord, if I could walk around. Oh, there it is. How in the world? This is what we do today. This is why folk are dying. This is why they're sick. This is why their businesses are going under. And the proof is right here. So they took that issue, spoke against him, and then applied it as, a, as an integrity issue against Moses with God. Well, I mean, come on. So uh, they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? I mean, hello. We can all prophesy. I hear from God, too. You know, we're in an organization. We have a chief apostle who is Moses. You know, she stays up on that mountain. She stays with the Lord. And then there's the rest of us down here, <laughs> down here, under the glory cloud, okay? One day we might get there. What I hear from God and what she hears from God, two completely different memos, all right? In fact, we, we get a memo. She gets a dossier, okay? You know, people at the top, they get folders and binders. What they release to us down here is a statement. They get the whole situation in the situation room. And so Moses has been in the situation room with God. If you're sitting up under a high leader, they've been in the situation room with God. Don't allow what you consider to be your prophecy from God to measure against his complete disclosure with them. So they get all out of order, all out of order. All right, so has he not spoken through us also? So we went from, we don't like your wife. To, please, we can hear from God, too. See, all of this is the beginning of an insurrection. All this right here. It says, and the Lord heard it. So when leaders speak against their highest leader, there's a different lashing out from God that happens versus when people at the feet talk about it. You know, when our people start to grumble, you hear about it in a message. Like these last several weeks, Dr. Price has been going clean in on some things that have clearly been happening. Like Moses knew the people were murmuring because God told him, because he opened up his spiritual ear to hear it, his prophetic ear to hear the hearts of the people. But when you're a leader assigned to your highest official leader and you turn on them, it's a whole different response from God because, hey, he doesn't send his leader to deal with you. He shows up himself. Moving on. And the Lord heard it. 
Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. So this is even letting you know, even though Moses had a hot head, whoa, he had a temper that could go off, as we saw. But he was humble. They were not. That, that pride kicked in. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Uh-oh, we having a meeting. The Lord has called a meeting. And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. First of all, I mean, seriously, let's think about that moment. You know why? Because they got so comfortable with God's presence, so familiar with their brother, they just knew the ins and outs. Oh, you know, God talks to him. He talks to us, too. We hear from him. Yep, he can. You know what? I think because the next statement out of their mouth was, I think we need to make some moves to put Moses into retirement. You can tell that's where all that was going. Well, they're having, he's having a challenge hearing from God. Obviously, if he marries somebody we don't approve of, he can't hear from God. And he's just, and you could tell they were building up a case, building up a case, building up a case to somewhere have him removed. Because as leaders, you don't start talking against your leader and about how you can hear from God too, unless you plan on moving that leader. That's the way it is at the top, or else why have the conversation? You're building a case to begin a campaign. So, the Lord came down and he said, get out here. Then verse 6, and he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. You know, most of us are not faithful. This is, this is even about finishing. Most of us are not faithful in what God has given us. We're not. We skimp. We trim. We see what's the least that we can do to get the most out of God. I put in all these years with my leaders, and I've only gotten this small, meager reward. You know why? Because God is looking at all the things you didn't do that you were instructed to do, not just time served, because there's a lot of people, and you can tell, there's a lot of people who have put time in with leaders, but they have not done what that leader has asked them to do, or they haven't done it the way they asked them to do it. They did it their way. We were talking about this the other day, uh, you know, armor bearer, hard shift 101. Whenever you start working for somebody, new armor bearers who are very green, don't have experience, think they've been brought on to do what their leader wants their way, my way, how I do it for me. No, you've been brought on to do it how they want it done. Hard reset number one. So we have here, he is faithful in all my house. Because if you're going to measure yourself against your leader or against somebody else, then you better do the whole standard, which you probably cannot do because you're blinded by your ego, blinded by your emotions. You actually don't see the things that they're doing that, that you're not willing to do, the things that they do consistently that you do intermittently or emotionally. Man, Dr. Bryce is hitting that, having attendants and armor bearers and assistants and administrators to do their job. They may be capable, but they're too emotional to be consistent. Ooh. Lord help us. We all had to grow through it. I speak with him, Moses, face to face. Even plain.
things. You know what that means? God is telling them, I can be myself with Moses. I can be real. You know how we all have people in our lives? Oh, you just have to dance around every issue. You have to strategize on when you're going to deal with them because you know there's going to be emotional fallout and backlash and retreating like a little crab into your shell, scurrying off and like a tortoise going into your hard house and, oh, now we're going to have to suffer and be punished for three or four weeks because of the emotional tantrums. We all know somebody like that. Maybe the person you know is you. Okay, when we do the assessment, it talks about the greatest threat to your reliability and integrity as a minister, and which challenges you to enter and discharge your your calling successfully. Man, those emotional things come up, and honest people are like, yeah, that's me. I just dealt with that on my job. Wow, that's, uh-huh. Emotional instability, lack of professionalism, all of that boils down. He said, plainly. Are you somebody that God can talk to plainly? Are you somebody that your leaders can talk to plainly? My relationship with my boss, I don't like that. Fix it. Okay. And I should have known you didn't like it. Because <laughs> when you're really good, you should know. And that's where we all would go. We don't even know what he likes and does not like, so he speaks in plainly. <clears throat> and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? See, the Lord's point was in our modern vernacular, not to diminish who God is in any way. Moses is my boy. Okay? What are you doing? That's my guy. He's my main, he's my main man in the earth. Lord have mercy. God's trying to get one out of every generation. All right? He had a Job, the one guy. Moses, the one guy. David, the one guy. Jesus, the one guy. He says, so it's no secret who Moses is to me, clearly. And it surely shouldn't be a secret to leaders. To the people, they may or may not know. But to the people closest to the person of the top, it's your job to know, especially in Christendom, who your leader is to God. I've read this passage we were prophets in training, that was scared straight. I promise you. I was like, ooh, I'm not going to be in some Aaron Moses, Miriam meeting. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. I'm out of every conversation about people's issues with our leader. I'm out. You will not find me there. And I tell you what, it was this scripture that was a hard reset for me. Even just being a party to it passively was guilt. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> you gotta say bye. No, no, no. Because God's not calling me out. Because so the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and He departed. God was hot. I'm out. Because the Lord said, when I get mad, folks start dying. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. And then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. even imagine the moment, the moment that you see your sister is a leper, which is a death sentence, and an immediate one, poof, all of her was covered. She was white as snow with all the scales, all of it, gross, nasty. 
That's how hot he was. And he was hot with her because she was the prophet. Running that mouth, causing a problem. I tell you what, I learned a lot from this passage because I was slowing my roll on jumping in on people, jumping in on foolishness, jumping in on people's issues. The prophet so and so, their life took a hit. How come they're not blessed? Who, look, who are you running? Are you running your mouth against somebody? While you're trying to work it out and justify, and I said, oh, Lord, please. Uh, let me see. So Aaron said to Moses, verse 11, oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. See, he answered correctly. Not why is everybody always picking on me. Not as good as I've been to God. I don't deserve this because we all deserve something. Not, he said, we have sinned. Oh, Lord, we have sinned. We have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her. Oh, God, I pray. And the Lord said to Moses, if her father had, had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people moved from Hezeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. And then we move into Canaan. All right, after that, we go into the promised land. So you can even, well, you know, the reports and everything. You can see that Moses fought all the time with credibility as a leader, with his highest leaders, with the people. This is what God said. Well, we don't know. This is what we need to do. Well, we don't know. Well, if God told you, well, if God told you. I mean, there was a lot of language that I eliminated out of my consciousness after reading this because your flesh can really tell you that that's, being, that's due diligence, right? Business, that's due diligence. But let me tell you something, with God, it's an offense. And so we have to know the difference between when we are doing due diligence with our leader and when we are offending the relationship with God. He took that very, very personal. How is it that you don't know? Why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So what did they say? Well, we hear from God too. Well, I have a vision from God too. Well, God told me to. You know what? Then you sound like you need to have your own ministry. Because if you're hearing something different from what God told your leader, then somebody's not hearing from God. Or if what you're hearing, you are applying and interpreting in your own way. You're still in trouble. So I want you to think about that today as we are embarking on our 2020 journey. And like Dr. Price said, that face-to-face, eye-to-eye with God, 2020, eye-to-eye with God, what is he eyeing in you? Jesus. We used to say that years ago. God knows my heart. Yes, what does he know about your heart? <laughs> Let's talk about that. Well, that's like saying my cardiologist knows my heart. Yes, and he knows the plaque in your veins, and he knows the bypasses and the stents. He actually knows there's a lot going on to keep that thing moving. There's a lot of mess that had to be cleaned out. There's a lot of deterioration, some valves not working properly. What does your cardiologist know about your heart? What does God know about your heart? So this is about the finish. Let's finish strong. 
But you will not finish strong if you don't even acknowledge where you are wrong. Maybe in 2019, 2018, 2015, you blamed God for some things that were completely you. Completely you. I just don't understand why God wouldn't. Why wouldn't he provide for me for a job? Because you told him you only wanted one type of job. There are plenty of jobs out there that you could have gotten. Unemployment right now, like total unemployment? Now, yes, there are people who go through warfare, but I know a lot of people who just don't want to work certain type of jobs. I just really need money. I just really need a job. Well, you know what? Go work at Walmart for six months. Oh, I can't do that. Then you really don't want a job, okay? Nobody was asking you to sell your body on the street. Oh, no, I can't. I can't work retail. Oh, no, I can't stand on my feet for it. Well, can't, you can't stand on your feet for eight hours a day or you won't stand on your feet. There's a difference. There's a difference. A lot of us courted warfare and we prolonged our warfare because we were not willing to do what was maybe expedient, even if it was a blow to our ego. Is that a nice way of saying it? A blow to our ego. Sometimes the ego is going to have to suffer. But if your ego is the most important thing, oh, no, 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 I just, I don't want to do that. I just can't. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Then you, and I will close on one, another closing. In closing, my sixth closing. Um, she, Dr. Price said to us years ago, my issue with you always, you're too good at suffering. I was like, is that what we're doing? Too good at suffering? She said, oh, yeah, because you're not motivated to get, that, get out there and make anything happen. You want everything to come to you. And what comes to you, you want it to be easy. And then you want to whine and you want to cry. Dr. Price, I was talking yesterday about this. I said, please, how many people in the world have two and three jobs? Two and three jobs, family, going to school, careers. This is life under the sun as we know it. One time I was advising somebody and pulled up the statistic on how many people in our nation have more than one job. Hold on. Look. How many people? How many people have more than one job? Because a lot of times in Christ, we think, uh, let's just say two jobs in USA. We think in God it should be easy. And I'm doing these things. About 13 million U.S. workers have more than one job. This is from a Census Bureau. This was posted in June of last year. Okay? 13 million. More than 13 million. You're in good company. It is rare that you find somebody who only has one stream of income, which is actually kind of scary if you do. So we're, we're finishing what we start. We're reaching our goals. Study Luke 14. And really, really, really decide if you want a different ending in 2020, then you need to have a different beginning in 2020. Okay, now it's time to sow. Now it's time to give. Oh, do we have the information? If you want to give to Dr. Paula Price, you can do her cash app, cash tag Dr. Paula A. No, Dr. Paula Price. The website is Dr. Paula A. Price. Dr. Paula Price as well as PayPal.me, Dr. Paula Price. And then you can also go online. You can give from her website. If you have the app, our church app, you can give from our church app. Rachel is posting information as well for text to give, and you can do that too. So let's bless this apostle. The only reason any of us have this wisdom is because of her teaching and training. Okay? Let's be real. So let's bless her. Let's love on her. Remember to prepare for her birthday coming up February 21st. Shower her with love, gifts, Amazon gift cards. 
and the like, whatever the Lord puts in your heart. If you want to know, you can also ask us. You can reach out to me and ask what are some good gifts to get Dr. Price. Or if you're like, hey, I was looking at this. I was thinking about this. I saw this purse. I saw this piece of jewelry, these shoes, clothes from a different department store. What do you think? Will she like it? I'll know. I'll be able to tell you, and I'll say, yes, let's do that. Or you know what? Yes, in a different color because sometimes it's a great gift, but it's just in a different color that works for her wardrobe. And so I want to thank you all for tuning in today to our Paula Price Show pop-up. Now, listen, we're all on a prayer assignment to see to it that um, Dr. Price finishes this project and finishes strong. So I want you all to pray. Make her a priority on your prayer list. I mean, I know you pray for her anyway, but pray that she can finish, that everything God needs it gets in this first book and that uh, it gets to her publisher and it's all a go. All right. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you Sunday, the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands.
What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.